When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Hope you had a great start to your week. I know, it's tough. It's difficult. It is difficult to kind of get over that 30-7 to drubbing by the San Francisco 49ers. Because if you're like me, you wear your fandom on your sleeve. You literally wear the gear all the time. And so when you're out in public or with you're with friends or you're at work or you're at school, it doesn't matter where you're hearing about it. People, oh, what happened to the Steelers? Oh, what happened to Kenny Pickett? Boy, they looked horrible. You're hearing it. I get it. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. It's But it, it comes with the territory of being a diehard fan. So today's podcast, because on Monday it was kind of like a vetting thing. You know, we're just kind of getting everything out. We're just really kind of getting at all of it. Just, all right, put it out there. You know, just, we're frustrated. We're pissed off. Let's just have it out. Here we are on Wednesday. Now it's time to turn the page. And so I decided that this is what we need to start doing. We need to start figuring out a way to kind of move on. And we need to find ways to cope with reality and yet also understand that one week does not make a season. Easy to say. I get it, but let's try and move on here. Let's try and figure out how we're going to take these next few steps heading into week two. It is only week two. So here's what's happening on the show today. We have some news to discuss. Mike Tomlin spoke to the media on Tuesday. We're going to update the injuries. We're going to talk about some practice squad shuffling. Not going to spend a ton of time on that. We do have a lot of stuff to get through in the first half of the show. We're going to be talking about the Steelers' response to being absolutely demoralized in front of their home crowd on Sunday, and then also update their DEFCON numbers. Time for the DEFCON update. Second half of the show, the mailbag. You all had a lot of questions. I anticipated that, wholeheartedly expected a lot of questions, and yes, you all asked a lot of questions, and we're going to get through all of those for sure. Just to give you a heads up on Friday, we are going to be having a, hopefully it's on Friday, we are going to have a, a Browns guest on. I know it's the Browns and it's a division rival, but we're definitely going to have someone on to talk about this upcoming game, just like we did last week with Rob Stats Guerrero. I thought it was a great segment. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it for every week this season as, as much I can, unless schedules conflict, which that shouldn't be a problem. You're going to hear that on Friday, so make sure you're on the lookout for that. All right, let's get started with the news. Mike Tomlin did speak. He's talked about the injuries, and with those injuries came, well, some of the stuff we already knew. Cam Hayward, groin injury, going to require surgery. Was shocked that Mike Tomlin admitted this in the press conference, but he did. He's going to need, Cam Hayward that is, he is going to need surgery, and that this could potentially have him sidelined for the foreseeable future. So on top of that, He said Deontay Johnson's hamstring injury, which it had been reported by Adam Schefter earlier that that injury is going to have him out, quote-unquote, weeks, that they're not expecting to have him available. I expected that 
People forget this. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Hamstring injuries, groin injuries, they can linger. So Cam Hayward choosing to go under the knife and have an operation is probably his best course of action. Think back to uh, Mike Mitchell. Can't remember the year. He hurt his groin in training camp. And I remember saying those things can linger. And everyone kind of laughed and said, oh, Jeff, linger. What are you talking about? It's just a groin injury. The dude ended up having to have surgery on it after the season. It lingered the entire regular season. So he didn't miss any games. Did it hinder his play? Yeah, absolutely it hindered his play. So Cam Hayward potentially going on IR, missing a minimum of four games. It's not the end of the world, but yeah, it's going to be a big, big loss. Mike Tomlin talked about how really that's not a one-man job. Like It's going to be a team effort, a collective effort. They're going to have to change schematically as well. We'll have to keep that. We're going to have to lodge that into the back of the brain as the, the team prepares for the Browns. Also, mentioned Deontay Johnson, probably not going to have him this week. Akello Witherspoon's hamstring last year, he was sidelined from us the entire year. Hamstring injuries can be serious. Let's hope this isn't that way. He's probably going to miss a couple games, and then hopefully he's back out there full, full speed, ready to go. Other injuries of note, James Daniels, Larry Ogunjobi dealing with some day-to-day stuff. They said they should be okay. Uh, James Daniels was seen in a walking boot after the game. Take that for what it's worth. Pat Fryermuth might be limited earlier in the week with his chest injury. was really interesting, though, that he didn't bring up uh, DeMarvin Leal at all. That's good. The elbow slash triceps injury. Hopefully it was deemed minor, and he's good to go. They're going to need him. They will need him. So in terms of the injuries, those are the big names there as the Steelers now prepare for, and Chuksakor if we're still in the concussion protocol, by the way, just so we're clear on that. So other than that, the Steelers did have some practice squad movement. They they signed a wide receiver, cut two players. One of them is Luke Barku, the defensive back, and I think Corey Smith running back. Uh, you can read that article on SteelCurtainNetwork.com. I wrote that article, so check it out. It gives you more detailed information about these players. Nonetheless, it's just a part of the plan. They're going to be making other moves. They're they're shuffling their practice squad. They're just this is part of the process. So you can expect those other moves to be announced in the coming days. I'll tell you what, we have some very important uh, ads to run. Uh, our new partners here in crime, so to speak. You've probably heard these on a lot of our podcasts. So I'm going to stop for a very quick break, and then we'll get into the crux of this podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, Steeler fans, thanks for your patience there. Ads, on, I know people don't like ads, but you know what they do? They, they literally pay the bills. So, uh, yeah, appreciate your patience on all of our shows, especially mine. Let's talk about this podcast, the response. That's what, that's what this is about, the response. The Steelers were embarrassed on their home field. I don't care. You know, this isn't about fans being embarrassed. I guarantee you those players were embarrassed by the performance. The coaches were embarrassed by the performance. But if you keep your eye on social media over the last few days, fans will fall into one of two categories. They're the the ones that are just doom and gloom. This team is over. The season's over. The team is done. Or there's the ones that are just spewing excuse after excuse. You know, maybe there's some people that are such devout Kenny Pickett fans that they will think of any possible reason why he struggled instead of saying, you know what, he just sucked on that day. No, it's not that the offensive line helped. He just wasn't good. Neither was the offensive line. It's okay to say that. But here's what people 
that are on the ledge, that might be on that ledge, the proverbial ledge after week one, you have to remember that the performance that the Steelers put on display at Acroshore Stadium last Sunday was certainly worthy of that reaction. The reaction of, wow, this team is done. I cannot believe it. It was bad enough that I don't blame anyone for thinking that this season could go south in a hurry. I don't blame you at all. However, I want to talk about week one in a little bit of a different way, a little different context here. I want you to so I want you to think about these. You're driving, you're getting ready for work, you're wherever you are, I don't care. If I'm in your ears, I want you to think about these questions and I want you to answer them because I think these are going to help with the healing process. We're all really scarred after that performance. We went from the highest of the highs in the preseason to now feeling like the lowest of the lows. So let's ask some questions. You answer these questions. You do it yourself. Okay, first question. Do you really think that Kenny Pickett will be this bad again? Okay, answer that question. Do you really think that Kenny Pickett will be this bad for a second consecutive game? I'll go on record by saying that no, I don't think so. I'll go back to last year's rookie year from the moment he stepped on the field at Shore Stadium week four against New York Jets at halftime. I didn't. I never saw him play that bad. That, to me, that we saw all those snaps, all those games his rookie year, and we never once saw him look that bad, tells me this was an aberration. The closest that we saw him looking that bad was maybe Philadelphia last year, maybe the first start of his career against Buffalo. They were bad, but still not that bad. That was atrocious. So we've seen him do it. He has done it on more than one occasion. It makes me feel like that is why I can say week one is not a new trend, but was literally just a one-off. Next question. You think the Steelers will fall flat on a primetime game at home on Monday Night Football? I don't. I'm sure that Dave Schofield on Thursday's podcast, his Stat Geek podcast, is going to talk about Mike Tomlin's crazy record at home on Monday Night Football. It, it is pretty impressive. I'm going to leave that to Dave. How many times have we seen the Steelers lose back-to-back games before? But how many times have we seen Mike Tomlin-led teams since 2007 get their doors blown off in back-to-back games? I'm not predicting a win. I'm talking about how the team plays. So will the Steelers fall flat? No, I don't think they will fall flat on Monday Night Football at home against a division rival. Do you think, next question, do you think the offensive line will always suck? Because they did suck. Every single one of them sucked. James Daniels, Mason Cole, Isaac Samalo, Jan Moore didn't have a good game. Chuksa Korafor didn't have a good game. They all did. They all played awful. So do you think they're going to continue to play that poorly? I don't. I think it's going to be very reminiscent of last year. You have some new faces, actually only one new face with Isaac Samalo being inserted into the lineup. But you got to get used to playing alongside one another. And maybe that's why after the game, the Steelers were not hitting any type of proverbial panic button. But no, I don't think the offensive line will always suck. Will there always be growing pains for the early portion of the season? Yes, there will be some growing pains, but I don't think they're always going to suck. Will communication issues continue? Sadly, in the, in the short term, they might. I hope that the ones that get rectified quickly are those ones that Kenny Pickett talked about. Those quarterback-wide receiver communication issues. 
where he reads one thing and the receiver reads another. That's not okay. Talked about that on Monday. I'm not going to bring up bring that up again. Defensively, if we were smart and we were realistic, and I, I, I can't say I fall into either of those categories right now with this specific topic, we should have predicted these issues. In the secondary, think about Minka Fitzpatrick, Levi Wallace, and if you want to count Demonte KZ, who was a sub last year and was injured half the season, they are the only returning players in that defensive backfield. Throw in an entirely revamped inside linebacker room, that hub that's supposed to communicate with everyone else, and no wonder there were some blown coverages, missed assignments, and downright bad play. So will these communication issues continue? I could see some still happening in week two, However, does it mean that they're going to continue for the rest of the season? I'm going to say no. Last question. Will play calling always feel like a blind man throwing darts? That's what it felt like at times on Sunday. That Matt Canada was up there in the booth, eyes closed, blindfold on, and he's literally just turning his hands around, and I pick that one. Call it in. That's what it kind of felt like sometimes. They they were just throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what sticks, because the plan they had in place clearly did not work. So will it always be that bad? I don't think it'll always be that bad. But you got to hope that it turns and rectifies itself quickly. So here's what this all boils down to. Dwelling on week one does no one any good. It doesn't do the players, the coaches, and even the fans. It doesn't do us any good to sit here and dwell on week one and say what if or what could have been, it's over with. It is over with and it is time to turn the page. Mike Tomlin spoke about this on Tuesday. I'm sure he's told his team on multiple occasions. The response is what matters now. The response to this situation, how the Steelers feel right now, how they respond to playing so poorly in week one is what's going to truly tell the tale of this team. If they come out and they look sharp and they move the ball well and they are ready for the Browns and they're prepared and the game plan looks like it's actually logical and makes sense, then you're going to start to say, well, wait a second, this team might actually have some hope. But dwelling on week one is going to do no, it's not going to do anyone any good. Before we take a break, I want to get to these DEFCON updates. These are rough. Remember, in case you're a first time listener or you're new to the program, If they're at a level one, that is bad. You do not want to be at a level one. You want to be at a level five. Five is good. One is bad. Keep that in mind. One bad, five good. So we're going to start with the quarterback. The quarterback drops two spots from four to two. That's right. The the quarterback play was awful last week. Kenny Pickett was on the loser list. He deserved to be on the loser list. I don't need to explain anything more. Kenny Pickett, he needs to rectify the game quickly. Next group. Wide receivers and tight ends are the pass catchers. They only go down one. They go from a four to a three. You talk about the communication things, that's half on the pass catchers as much as it is on the quarterback. So for me, while they didn't do anything that was glaring, that in and of itself means they go down a notch. Running backs stay the same, four. And you're probably thinking, well, Jeff, how could you keep them at a four? These guys only rushed the ball for like 40 yards. The reason is because they just didn't run the ball. They didn't actually commit to the run in the offensive line. We'll get to them in a second. Did nothing to help. So I'm going to keep metaphor. Offensive line goes down two spots, just like the quarterback. You can see how those two work in concert. They were a four going into week one, and they're a two going into week two. 
that performance was awful. PFF grades are terrible in and of itself, but the grades they gave these players, and I actually agree with them, were really, really bad. Let's go to defense. Defensive backs were a three after or heading into week one. They go down to a two. Talked about the communication issues. I really was not happy with Levi Wallace. He was on the loser list on Monday. Not happy with the defensive backs. Inside linebackers, I'm actually keeping it the same. They were a three. They're staying a three. The reason why they're staying a three is I I actually thought Landon Roberts played well. Quan Alexander actually looked like he played well. Cole Holcomb, the jury's out on. I didn't get a great game, but still, they were a three going into week one. There are three going into week two. Outside linebacker stays the same as well. TJ Watt hits four sacks, three sacks. Nick Herbig plays. I thought Marcus Golden had a great game. If there's a player that just kind of got washed away, it was Alex Highsmith. When you're going against Trent Williams, that's expected. Uh, he did make some plays and run support, but other than that, outside linebacker remains the same at four. The defensive line, you lose Cam Hayward. There's going to be a notch down from that. So they were a four. They're down to a three. See what this depth looks like. Hopefully Larry Ogunjobi can somehow, some way get healthy, but they're at a three. Lastly, special teams. Mike Tomlin calls out Big Press in his press conference. Makes it very clear he was unhappy with the punting. But you know what? Anthony McFarland also looked really good returning the ball in terms of kickoffs. The, the blocking group did great on kickoff returns. That tells me that while I want to move them from three to two, I can't. I can't based on the fact that even though Presley Harvin sucked, Anthony McFarland keeps him at a three heading into week two. So there you have a DEFCON update heading into the upcoming game against the Browns. Hopefully these numbers improve next week. All right, here's what this is going to happen. Take a quick break. Coming after this break, we're going to dive headfirst in the mailbag. Got a lot of questions. I got a lot of answers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. fans it is time for everyone's favorite segment it's the mailbag segment and we got some questions let's get this thing started from philip he asked three as a former athletic coach yourself if you were a part of the steelers coaching regime after last sunday's loss what fundamental skills or skill skill or skills are you focusing on with the team this week in preparation for cleveland i think with this skill set what what i'm trying to say here is if I'm trying to focus on fundamentals, things like tackling. Tackling was not good. I would also focus on the fundamental aspect of just pre- preparation, preparing yourself for everything that the opposition could throw your way. Little things lead to big results. I used to always say that as a coach. The little things equate in big results. So if you focus on those fundamentals, you know everything from placement of the football for a quarterback how you run your routes as a wide receiver, defensive back positioning, hand placement, all that stuff. Focus on the fundamentals. Next question. If there's one player from each phase of the game, offense, defense, and special teams who must and is imperative to improve that they have a bounce back, who are they and why? So special teams is Presley Harvin. 
Offense is Kenny Pickett. And defense, I'm going to go with Patrick Peterson. I didn't think Patrick Peterson was horrible, but he's got to step up his game if he's going to be that leader in the back half. Last question from Philip: Which do you think is going to be the bigger hole to fill due to injury, Cam or Deontay Johnson? I think it's Cam Hay- Cam Hayward by far. Cam Hayward is a is a huge loss for this team. There's no doubt about it. They are a huge loss. He is a huge loss. And like Mike Tomlin said, he is not going to be a one person that would fill the hole quickly in terms of being able to just up. Oh, We'll just throw an arm on Watts. There you go. All right, let's get to some more questions. Uh, ELH asks, are you making a football justice-inspired T-shirt if the Steelers win Monday? That might be a good idea. You know, Mike Tomlin said that with with Kenny Pickett, someone that works that hard and is as detailed and as focused, he goes, it's football justice if they bounce back. Maybe that is a T-shirt in the making. We'll see. Keith Davis asked several questions. El Jefe, he asked first, has Steeler Nation declared war on Canada? Oh, they did. Don't worry. Next question. With Cam out for eight weeks, which I don't think it's eight weeks. I think four is the minimum. Are we going to activate Braden Fihoko? I think there's a good chance that they do that. Unless they feel like they can just arm on Watts and, and kind of patchwork their schemes together, I would I would love to see Keanu Benton be more of a tackle and end and then get Fihoko in there as your Constant nose tackle. I was not impressed with Montrevious Adams on Sunday, so take that for what it's worth. Next from Heath, disregarding the 49ers game, we are going to beat the Browns 28-24. to Book it. I like it. I hope it comes to fruition. And last question from Heath, we need, it. We need a big momentum swing. Do you think they will take a shot on the first play of the Browns game to get the bad taste out of their mouth? Allowing 30 points is bad but we have seen teams which win shootouts. We got this. Go Steelers. I love the optimism. I don't think they take a shot first play. I also don't want them to take the ball if they win the toss. Been very vocal about that this week. Haskins QB1 says, Hey, Jeff, that two-minute drive seemed like Kenny was just calling his own plays, kind of like Big Ben used to. And should Kenny have the freedom to call whatever play he wants? Because Matt Canada seems to be stuck in his own ways. Uh, I, I don't think any quarterback outside of like a Peyton Manning is equipped to be able to call all their own plays. If that was Kenny Pickett calling those plays and maybe he should have a little bit more freedom. Maybe they should take the handcuffs off him. I'm excited to see how the Steelers approach Kenny Pickett after an outing where he had two interceptions, the offense looked bad. And will they just basically shell up again and go into their shell and say, okay, we can't, we can't lose the game. Let's be super conservative. We'll see how it goes. Doc M or Southside Doc, he asks a question. Who in the Steelers organization, front office, coaches, players, has the most to learn from the game against the 49ers? What are the key aspects that need to change in order to never repeat that performance? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you very much, Doc, for the question. I would say that in the Steelers organization, every single coach, including Mike Tomlin, has a lot to learn. From the players, I think that you look at the offense especially, they're young, a lot of them are inexperienced, and a lot of them have never really played against a defense like that. And so that was an eye-opening experience. If you think you're a Super Bowl contender, you have to be able to hang with teams like the 49ers. That is not hanging with the 49ers in case you didn't know that. The 30-7 to final score was not even indicative of how lopsided the game was. 
That's what needs to happen. So hopefully that was an eye-opening experience for a lot of players and coaches. Brian Haynes asked several questions. Are we picking first overall next year now? Seriously, seriously though, why is everyone all over Kenny Pickett, but he didn't perform any worse than Josh Allen? It's one freaking game. You are right. Josh Allen didn't look good on Monday Night Football. Joe Burrow looked horrible. Kenny Pickett is not alone in the fact that he didn't look good. So that's a great point. Another one from Brian. Do you think that we need outside help, coaches or players? Not yet. Not yet. I don't think they need outside help just yet. Maybe someday, maybe sooner than later, but not yet. All right, Nathan Bolig says, "Are we in terrible at are, are we in terrible at wide receiver if DJ is out for an extended period? Do we want to sign someone?" I'm going to answer this one first. He asked a second question. I don't think they're awful at wide receiver, and I'll tell you why. I actually think that they have a built-in replacement on the roster for Deontay Johnson, and that is Calvin Austin the third. If you're looking for a guy with that speed, the ability to create separation, and to play on the outside, everyone says, oh, he's small, put him in the slot. No, he's predominantly an outside receiver. So he should be able to slide right into Deontay Johnson's role. And guess who has a great rapport with Calvin Austin? Kenny Pickett. They came into the league together. They got a lot of repetitions last year because they were both rookies, third, third team guys. I think they're fine at wide receiver. Lose another player, that becomes a different story. Next question from Nathan. Do you think the soft zone was a personnel decision, meaning Joey Porter Jr. wasn't ready, or a poor game plan or both? Was the secondary performance or the scheme more of an issue? I think it was both. Mike Tomlin said they had a plan for Joey Porter to get more than seven defensive snaps, but they just didn't. That doesn't make sense. I'm not buying what you're selling. I think it was a scheme and game plan that they wanted to stick with for some ungodly reason. Believers, does the whole Pickens fiasco say more about the OC or the quarterback? So the Pickens fiasco that he's talking about is that supposedly George Pickens went on Instagram, and I'll say this, he supposedly liked a comment that's criticized Kenny Pickett. I'm going to say this as, as clear as I can. For those people that they spend their time doing things like finding out if a player follows a team or that they like a quote or a or, or they like a post or something like that unless it shows up and it's glaring gosh get a hobby like seriously find something better to do with your time but pickens i think that his frustration is just with the whole situation he was probably frustrated with the play calling he was frustrated with the execution. Look, receivers are receivers. They can't throw themselves the football. That's one of the problems. So I think it was just his frustration with the entire offense. Jeff Coons spells his name incorrectly, but still. Greetings from not Matt Canada. He lives in Canada. He didn't figure that out. He said one week. Let's flush it and move on. Assuming the dancing bear, Keanu Benton takes most of Cam's snaps. What does success look like? Expectations. I, I don't have a lot of expectations for Keanu Benton based on the fact that I've only seen him play in the preseason, week one, but prim- primarily at nose. I want to see what he can do. He's athletic. He can move. I do question his run-stopping ability. I think he can get after the passer, but at the same time, he's, he's going to make mistakes. He's a young player, but I feel like there's more upside there than sometimes with Isaiah Loudermilk. 
So you do you go with what you feel like gives you the best chance to win. Corey Eckenroth has a couple. If you had a hot seat meter, where are you putting Canada on a scale of one to ten? So let's say one is you're as cool as the other side is the pillow, as Stuart Scott used to say. And ten is you are scalding hot, you can't even sit down. A hot seat meter, I'm gonna put Matt Canada uh we'll say six. It's warming up, but it's not to the point where it's you got better get this right or you're fired. A lot of people want that, just not yet. Corey Eckenroth also asked, the Clowns defense looked good last week. The the masseuse looked less than stellar. How winnable was this game considering how everything went off the tracks last week for the Steelers? So a lot of times in week one, and we all talk about how week one can be an aberration. In week one, teams do things that no one is expecting. Now there's some tape out there. So when you have people like Miles Garrett lining up over the nose tackle, that's not going to be something the Steelers are going to be shocked with. They shouldn't be. They should say, okay, there's a good chance we're going to see Miles Garrett moving around. So we got to be prepared. If we see him go here, here's what we do. This is when things start to kind of level itself out. I think that this game is winnable, even though the Steelers played poorly. Go back to the first half, all those questions that I answered. I think this team is going to rectify the situation. We'll put it that way. Brian Katz, bagels and bong rips. My guy, he said, are there any offseason moves like letting go of Terrell Edmonds and Robert Spillane that are seeming to bite us in the butt? Maybe Edmonds, just with the continuity aspect, but no, I don't think there are. I really don't. Thomas asked a question. Do the Steelers try to bring in outside help or go all in on the young guys? For me, put the young guys out there. Play Calvin Austin for Deontay Johnson. Put in Joey Porter Jr. Let's see what these guys got. Let's see what they can do. Put them out there. Let's go. You trust the draft so much. You love the draft so much. Play the draft picks. Chrissy asked a question. How much is Cam's injury going to impact the locker room? Who's going to fill that leadership role? Mike Tomlin said, like, the, the, the dude's not going anywhere. So even if he has surgery, he's still going to be in the locker room. He'll probably still be on the sideline. From a leadership standpoint, Cam isn't going anywhere. I think they'll be okay. Plus, I like TJ Watt, Miles Killebrew, and Kenny Pickett as leaders. But great question. Eric Auth says, Jeff, I assume folks are going to ask you about the first sack. Last year, Kenny self-reported symptoms in the Ravens game. Do you think he would have done the same if he was feeling anything on Sunday? I I haven't gotten that question yet, but I'll answer it. So Kenny Pickett was thrown to the ground pretty hard uh, in the first sack of the game against the 49ers. And a lot of people are showing this clip over and over again where his head goes back, hits the turf, and they're thinking, was he concussed? Or was he experiencing symptoms? And Mike Tomlin was asked about this on Tuesday, and he talked about how there's so much going on on the sideline that he he doesn't even know if a player is potentially being looked at for a concussion until he has to go into the blue tent. So there might have been discussions about this. The NFL has spotters. the, The medical staff are there. And like you said, Pickett actually reported symptoms last year. I doubt that he would not do it again thinking about his long-term health i know it was a it was a weird play it looked bad just because a player's head hits the turf doesn't mean they're concussed we have to keep that in mind next question from riley Kranz. jeff nothing negative here i moved on to next week mentally keanu benton had some very good tape on sunday and this makes me confident that we might be okay without captain cam for a few weeks just wondering if you feel the same could be a much needed positive right now 
I'm I link I like Keanu Benton. I think he's gonna be really good. But man, do you want Cam Hayward in there when you're going against Nick Chubb in a running game like the Browns? Keanu Benton's young and he does put some good tape out there. I'm just a little bit leery early on in that time where he's trying to get his feet wet. So I would expect a lot of DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Loudermilk, and maybe even Armand Watts. And like I said, maybe even promoting Fihoko. Is George Pickens really him? Asked, would you rather a Chase Young trade or a J.J. Watt signing lieu of the Cam News, if either were possible? Oh, I've seen the J.J. Watt stuff. I'm just not sure why. I'll go with... um, We'll go with JJ if I had to choose between the two. Good question, I guess. Eric asks you, there's video floating around of Kenny's head hitting the ground very hard when he was sacked on the second drive. Knowing his concussion history, do you think this could have potentially contributed to the poor performance? Just kind of answered this, Eric. I I don't think so. You know, I I think, if anything, the pressure of the 49ers being in his face repeatedly had more to do with it than a potential head injury. But he's also not in the protocol, never self-reported. Keep that in mind. Rick Rickertarian, should the Steelers attempt to sign JJ? I'm gonna pass. I'm just gonna pass. I just don't think he's even in game shape. Eric asks, what do you think about Big Press after Week One? Week One punts had here. Here we go again, written all over it. Should we have kept Braden Man? Should this new nickname be Big Shank? I didn't think Presley Harvin was as bad as Mike Tomlin made it sound during his press conference. I mean, he he made it sound bad. Uh, so he obviously, Mike Tomlin is not happy with Presley Harvin. If he continues down this path, they might look for someone else to come in. It's very possible. Chase Bartlett said, what happened? I wish I knew, Chase. I wish I knew. We'll put it that way. I didn't miss this one. Another one from, is George Pickens really him? Hey, Jeff, now that DJ's hurt and the, wor- and the world about to know that George Pickens is really him, who do you think will get more rub? A-Rob, Austin, D- Dar- Darnell Washington. Don't see more two tight end sets in the meanwhile. I'm going to go with what I said earlier. Calvin Austin. Keep keep uh, A-Rob, Allen Robinson, in the slot. Use Calvin Austin on the outside. George Pickens on the outside. Let Darnell Washington cook on the middle. I like that. Jackson asks, what does it say about the Steelers fan base when so many already are turning on Kenny Tomlin in Canada after just one game? It's a very fair question. For me, it has everything to do with the expectations that fans had about this team. They had high hopes, and those hopes were dashed quickly. So, yeah, you set the bar that high, and when you fall flat like they did, that's what happens. This is what you, This is the ripple effect that you see now couple more questions here david briggs how is adams not only on the roster but starting what does he do that literally any defensive lineman that is probably on every practice squad can do does he have the tomlin picks maybe he does david maybe daniel mccullers pass them down to montravius adams i'm gonna investigate i'll let you know what i find Tendercat asked a couple questions he said uh jeff with all due respect what is it with all the optimism with everyone? We finally have the players. Now, that to me seems like it leaves nothing left but coaches. These butt whoopings have become a common thing, and I'm sick of it. The games aren't even fun to watch. Okay, you're right. They're not fun to watch. It was not a fun game to watch. I watched it with one of my daughters, and I said, if you want to go do something else, I don't blame you. <laughs> Another one from Tendercat. Jeff, just because I'm angry, I'll bet Tomlin does enough to weasel his way back to just above 500, then makes his way up to Art Rooney's office, takes his feather out of his cap, and tickles him. P- 
tank just enough that we will all see the same old stuff next year again. I don't know if that whole sequence of events will happen, but it's. I know it looks bad. I do. I know it looks bad. Sir Diesel 90 said, so do we sign a defensive lineman to help out until Cam is back? And is that defensive lineman Chris Wormley? Very good point. Chris Wormley, I don't know where he is in terms of his recovery from his ACL tear. Maybe that is an option. We shall see. I'm sure they're picking up the phone. They might be calling him. Last two, Angry Girl Dad said, Hi, Jeff. Disgusting effort this past Sunday. Glad we can all commiserate on Fans First Sports Network after such a shameful outing. At what point will Steelers fans check their never-ceasing loyalty and hold Tomlin's feet to the fire? As head coach, all problems lay at his feet. Enough is enough. He continues, I was at the game this past Sunday, first in maybe 10 years. Maybe a quarter of the attending fans were in red. Is this a new normal? What is this saying about the current state of the Steelers? Did the season ticket holders who sold their tickets know something we didn't? Shaking my head. I said this to my brother who called me. He's like, I I heard that there were a ton of 49er fans. I said, yeah, there were. But you know what? Who am I to tell someone what to do with their money? Meaning, when you think about someone that has, let's say, two tickets to the game. They have two tickets. They can use it however they want. They don't really feel like going. They don't feel like dealing with all that stuff. So they're going to sell them. They don't know anyone personally that wants to pay face value or more for them. So they sell them online. They make, I don't know, $300 if they're good, t- they're good seats. So that maybe their family needs that money. So they take the 300 bucks. Who bought them? Some San Francisco 49er fan who now lives in Northeast Ohio. And he goes to the game in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that sucks. That doesn't mean that the Steelers fan is awful or they're they're giving away their tickets to the other team's fans on purpose. No, sometimes there's more to it than that. I also think that the fan experience being better at home now makes it a little bit easier for fans to just give up tickets and say, nah, but they don't want to deal with traffic, don't want to be around drunk idiots, uh, don't want to pay, pay like $10 for concession items, one item, can't take my family because my kids, I don't want them to be around that stuff. It's easier just to stay at home. Got to think about that too. All right, good questions. I feel like the mailbag segment in this episode was very cathartic for a lot of people. They got a lot of questions out. I'm glad you all did. I'm glad I was able to answer every single one of them. So listen, here's what's going to be happening. Make sure you're checking out all of our stuff on Steel Curtain Network and SteelCurtainNetwork.com. Make sure you're following uh, me on Friday. Let's Ride Podcast again. Should be a good one. Going to have the Browns preview on there. All bets are off. And don't forget, we're still going to have a show on Monday because the Steelers play on Monday night. So I hope that you're kind of getting over that hump. It is hump day. Hopefully you're getting ready for the uh, week two game. I know I am. So you know how we finish this out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday. Go see you.